0: Welcome to another very special installment of the 3rd Age Babylon 5 podcast, now at the beginning of a brand new year and almost the beginning of a new season. We are here for our special gala event at the end of Season 1. Today we are going to take a look at everything that we've done so far, both on the podcast and the show, and we are going to give out a ton of awards that we've made up for anything from our own episodes to our lurkers to pretty much anything that happened in the show. So, there's a whole lot that we want to get through today. But the first thing that we are going to do is a little bit of a changed version of our first impression, kind of a first slash last impressions on season one, where we take a look back at everything that has happened so far and share a bunch of sort of initial thoughts. Because I think especially with our newcomer here, Mike, uh, uh, people are very curious to think now that you've gone through all of this, How are you feeling about the show? Are you regretting everything already? Or are you excited for the next season? So, let's talk a very short moment about this from the three of us, and then we go right into the actual big event, which is going to be, well, the prizes. And we switch over to this little overview, which is going to be a graphic in the actual thing as well. So, these are all the thumbnails that we did for just the regular episodes this season. This is not including the specials, but, well, this is the chunk of Babylon 5 that we've looked at so far. 22 episodes out of around 110 total. So, yeah, one-fifth of the show done. How do we feel?
1: Yeah, well, um, I have to say or get back to our last episode because I really, really liked how uh, you phrase it, Leila, like this is feeling like a prologue to a book. Um and this is the perfect summary for me to for for this first episode um i liked it so far uh i'm not sure though i would have watched it if i wouldn't have the the feedback or the knowledge of it's getting even better now um when when i would have watched it in, uh, when it first aired or something like that or in, in the tv um because i would be scared i think that this kind of um storytelling narration um would continue this way mm. and if it would it would feel a bit boring as an introduction uh, to to the world to the people to the problems it's it's perfectly um fine it's it's um makes you understand the the world what is happening um you Feel like you know the place, uh, which is the most important thing of a prologue if you write one. Um, yeah, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if I would have gone further. Maybe I would have tried an episode or two, and if then, let's say the beat was a bit more intense, then I, I, then, I might have then have been h- hooked uh, in the regular TV version.
0: I think this is the best thing that we can hope to hear is if you tell us, hey, it, it was not terrible, but I also wouldn't have stuck around without you because, hey, it means we are doing our job. This is <laughs> <laughs> this is working as intended. So, um, yeah, I can only tell you if you were on your own and would try the next episode or two of season two, you would see changes, but I'm not sure if it would be enough of a hook. I think for you, Leila, it wouldn't have been enough of a hook. Uh, immediately right
2: immediately in the next season no within the next season yes but not in the first few episodes although um i think that the changes that happen could um probably still have promised enough to be like okay one more episode one more episode because a lot of things are going to change and a lot of new things are going to happen but yes the moment where i say i'm emotionally involved in a completely new way and that was that was later yes
0: and i think for me this is pretty much the the same experience this is the part where we will see things get moving in 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 a lot of ways but the show still needs a little bit of time to build up steam so i think uh, it's it's good that we're going through this all together and um we will take good care to tell you like where the beginnings of of exciting things are happening um but you know this is all in the future season two is looming large and we are going to start looking at the first episodes of that very soon but for now let's maybe take one look back at well the 22 episodes that we've seen so far and i mean just taking a look back on these thumbnails uh, some of the characters that we've seen there some of the titles looking back at it now because we've watched this over the course of a little under half a year are there things that still stand out to you are there you know standout moments that you would like to mention now before we go into our sort of hit list for all the different awards um or is it more a case of honestly only the last few episodes are stuck in my head right now it's gonna be fun rediscovering everything that we've that we've gone through how are you feeling on on that line
1: On, uh, of course, the last episodes are always the most present one because you watched them uh, recently. But overall, I would say there are especially the characters that stuck um, because, yeah, it's it's like you get to know them in, in a really, yeah, really close way. You know, you feel like you know them. Even though it is just 22 episodes and there are a lot of characters uh, in there, but you get to know the most important things about them. Um, You can guess how they would react in certain situations, what drives them, what gives them trouble uh, and stuff like that. Therefore, I would say that is the really strong part of season one for me
0: I think I'm much in the same boat um, because uh, to give people a little bit of an uh, inkling of how our awards are going to work we all three um, basically went through season one again and picked our favorites in the different categories and as I went back to do that I have to say I was surprised how difficult some of these choices were because I look back at these episodes and the longer I think about them the more like small little scenes small little lines are in there that I think oh this already happened this already happened this already happened so it really feels like I've spent a long time the year that the season is supposed to span already with these characters where at first glance looking back at these uh, like handful of titles I don't always get this impression this is why it's always so exciting to watch through it all again because ultimately it is a very dense um a very dense season with a lot of stuff happening even though it's maybe not as interconnected yet as we think how about you layla
2: um yes i think how dense it is you only realize if you watch it for the second time at least um but i definitely have to agree
0: in this case well this is kind of our experience with the show for the first season now i'm at the same time always curious uh, how do we feel about uh, well a little over 5 6 months recording this podcast now Uh, we we don't talk about this all that much but you know this is our first experience doing anything like a podcast getting on this regular schedule of watching the show every now and then and because our first awards are going to go slightly in this direction any comments any experience any opinion you would like to share about just well doing this as a project doing this for a, a fairly long time now to the point where i think we are all fairly confident we are doing this and we continue doing this for the foreseeable future. Um because if we stick with this show we have like more than one year still ahead of us, so three years. Yeah, it's a it's a big thing. And there was a
2: question in there for...
0: Yes. How do we feel after <laughs> uh, after this first stretch? Now, I was instinctively waiting for maike to do this, but uh, actually, when it comes to podcasting, she's most of the veteran among us. So uh, you're also welcome to 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 take charge.
2: Um. Yeah. Um. I mean, I I don't I don't want to stop. I guess that's that's definitely. I'm glad. Um. But I have to say that, yeah, um, I mean, I do a lot of um, online stuff myself. I have a blog um, and these things. And this is a totally different kind of working because it's much more, much more um, uh, regulated, m- much more. I have to stick to a routine much more. I have to always watch the episode again and I have to join the discussion always on more or less the same time. And that's very new and very difficult for me, actually. So um, I always. Uh, When we started and we worked out our schedule, like what do do we want to do on social media? When are we watching the episode? When are we recording? Things like that. I wanted to um, keep this new routine and also adapt it to my blogging, for example. And that completely didn't work out and was a little disaster for me, but just because I tried to adapt it to a different thing. So keeping things this regular actually always is a big, 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 big big trouble for me. And I really have to work hard to stay creative, although there is some kind of routine in it. Um... But um, yes, I definitely think it's a lot of fun because I think we all learn um, so many more things and find so many new perspectives on these stories. So that's, that's definitely the thing itself is very good. But the, I think all the work you have to do behind to keep a podcast going was very new for me and um, definitely some, something I alone could never keep.
0: I, I think I can only second that when it comes to the workload that is associated with everything. I mean... I have done stuff online before, but always in the format of, you know, uh, my my personal YouTube channel is one where I usually upload something maybe once a year and uh, that that functions very differently. Um, But it it has been a huge amount of fun, especially because it just brings a routine into just also interactions that we have with one another that before wasn't really there. And uh, well, I'm glad to have it.
1: Yeah, well, to get to the workload, Audio Lurkers, I would love to, if you would give uh, a big thumbs up for these two cuties over there because they do most of the work in this podcast. Actually, I'm the lazy bum compared to them because I'm just here for talking with them and watching the episode um, up front. Therefore, um, yeah, with without you two, this uh, podcast wouldn't exist because I have like no idea what I would uh, do <laughs> compared to, uh, to all the stuff you're doing. Um, even though, Alex, like you said I'm somewhat of a veteran. I wouldn't go this far, uh, even though I'm doing a second podcast with the university um, about literature. Um, but the work is completely different. It's uh, like writing a script um, up front and uh, then pre-recording it and just yeah snipping it together. And this, what we are here doing is far more free and spontaneous than what we or I do with the other podcast. Um, but I, I really like it because yeah, well, like I said, I have like literally, uh, no real work for, for my part. It's just for me talking with, um, two wonderful people. And I'm really, really happy that you asked me to do this. So yeah. If I would give you a heart, a heart
2: or a thumbs up or whatever, um, I would do this. So um, back me up, larkers, please. Yes, and we, I think we have to mention that Alex is in that case doing the most work because I only do the cutting or the final edit when he doesn't have the time for it. And then I have a lot of questions on how, um, how the program actually works. So he is editing the most work.
0: This is now getting very dangerous into territory of just praising ourselves. So I, I will take this opportunity to segue very briefly. I mean, these are all extremely kind words and they are very much appreciated. But uh, let's let's turn our attention uh, to giving out awards rather than receiving them. And uh, I mean, we still kind of pat ourselves on the back with the uh, uh, first two. Although those are still secretly awards that we mostly award to our lurkers for just putting up with the stuff that we put out there (laughs) Um, and I would say yeah in the final I will probably have a proper fanfare in here but uh, for now let's just uh, do a mental drum roll and move forward to our first category uh, because yeah what we are now going to do is we go through each and every category for the most part it's going to be our three picks and then we talk about those a little bit because everyone that we've chosen is you know special and important and an honorable mention We award the award, and then we move on to the next category. And the first category that we have is our most watched episode, so the fruits of all the labor that we've been talking about. And, well, this is going to be awarded with the golden sweet popcorn and cheese trophy that we are going to give out. So the recipe that was gladly given to us by by Michael, and we still recommend every lurker tries out. And, well, if you are trying it out, why not watch the clear audience favorite in our episode by a long margin which is the war prayer with currently uh, 561 views on YouTube and around 30 to 40 extra views or listens on all the different uh, uh, audio platforms that we have so all in all by a large margin the most favorite episode that we've put out there which is interesting because it is not by a long margin the highest rated episode of the season <laughs>
1: yeah which uh, comes to the question then did you really like that mu- it that much or were there just a lot of people that just happened to stumble about uh, this episode and watched it but on the other hand there uh, were at least enough people who watched it long enough to be um picked as a view therefore there has to be something good in it
0: or maybe you know we can be optimists and say this is the one discussion that we had that upgraded this episode so much that it's lo- like now a favorite,
2: or maybe because the episode is not like so much our discussion and just added a lot of interesting things to it.
0: I I do have this slight um, the 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 slight uh, assumption this might be sometimes the case because our discussions tend to be on the longer side. So when people see an episode that generally gets kind of brushed off in season one, this happens quite a lot and then there's people like t- spending two hours ruminating on that, maybe people are like, okay, usually you have to run out of things to talk about by the 30-minute mark on this one, so what what the heck are you guys doing with that? So, uh, because uh, TKO, which is generally regarded as a very bad episode as well, also did fairly well with our views.
2: Yes, I had to think of that, because people were writing uh, beforehand that that would test the podcast, and then it got a lot of views, so maybe that's also how people watch it.
0: Uh, but in general, of course, this is a great opportunity for us to say, Thank you, thank you. Not for the last time, but we are very glad that uh, people are watching and uh, especially nowadays uh, commenting also on a lot of stuff that we uh, that we talk about, the questions that we pose. It's always a, a delight to see.
1: And to be uh, on the mark of comments, maybe you could enlighten us why you think this episode uh, hit so many views with our podcast.
0: Yes, if, if we can like Crack the code and do whatever we did for every next episode that we do. Gladly, we will do it. That's, that's not going to be a problem. Uh, also, Mikey insisted that we do uh, the honorable mention of our most successful special episode outside of the episodes of Babylon 5, which is the Babylon 5 shadow war, uh, Empire war modification, gameplay magic that I did that is currently sitting around 820, 830 views. So people seem to be hungry for the gaming content in Babylon 5 which is not surprising because it's been notoriously the most neglected part of that franchise um there were big plans for a Babylon 5 video game in the early 2000s but that never came to be and since then people have been working on modifications for other games and those really don't get shown off that much so I kind of uh, try to fill the niche market there and uh, well since that interest is there we will definitely return to those specials at some point as well
1: Yeah, and I insisted on putting it uh, as an honorable mention here because this is one of the episodes you worked completely alone on uh, and I think even though you will try to slide out of this, um, I really think you deserve a pat on the back there.
0: Well, thank you. Uh, But I only did this... uh... I only did this all on my own because most of the modifications take into account the whole show, so it's spoilery. But once it's not spoilery anymore, I can finally rope you guys into those things, and then they have even better chances to be successful. Be that is true, but, you know, I... then people will think I play favorites, and that's not and that's not fair. Um, anything more on our sweet popcorn, or should we go to the next episode category that we have?
1: I have to say, this is really a beautiful award.
0: It's, it's wonderful. It's, I think, one of the biggest that we have to give out today because it's just so boxy. Uh, and yeah, lots of gold to play around with here. If you want to melt it down, this is the one to do it with. Our next episode uh, award is uh, one of my personal favorites, uh, but also one where we really um, give more credit to our viewers, our lurkers than anybody else, because this is the longest episode that we've done so far. And by a long margin, it's our double feature Christmas special of Babylon Squared and The Quality of Mercy, which ran around 3 hours and 20, 21 minutes. And people actually watched it. And some must have watched the whole way through because they kept commenting on it as well. Um, so I'm, I'm very glad to see that over the holidays, some people took the time and didn't get sick of us even during that long of an episode.
1: But also this episode, this... Um award shows one big problem here that uh, Alex and myself can't be um, left unsupervised because it's the all o- I think it's 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 the only uh, episode we have done alone without Layla who keeps us coming back to uh, the important points yeah so um, yeah
0: <laughs> if we don't have Layla to rein us in we will just talk about stuff forever And it it will not stop. And it's it's actually kind of a problem. We will never get through the entire show without you. All right. So the longest episode receives the uh, golden recliner armchair with the uh, sleeping Zs. And this is the last of the episode awards. We are now going to go over to the character-related awards, our biggest category by far. And because it's such a big category and we wanted to have interesting picks, we kind of imposed a little bit of a rule on our own, uh, which is that we are not going to pick main cast characters, not our main crew, for any of these categories. Uh, but we didn't want to leave them out in the rain completely, so we made a special award, the Golden, ah, golden Starlaces Participation Trophy. The Starlaces, the beautiful glowing flowers that Londo prepares for Adira which are incredibly difficult to model, actually. In the process of researching that, I found out that the actual uh, prop was um, uh, Christmas lights mixed with uh, fishing lures. <laughs> uh, a very interesting combination there. Um, so it's just a rough approximation of that because it's just a positive participation trophy. But yeah, this is just a, a nice opportunity for us to say, of, of course, we acknowledge that every member of the main cast did an amazing job and if anybody wants to have a favorite here just to highlight uh, now is the time
2: one favorite cast member
0: or as many as you want <laughs> just if you want to, oh if there's anything you want to say about what somebody of the main cast do it now because the next awards are all going to be uh, not about these people
2: it's just so tough because I think I love them all yeah <laughs> that's so difficult.
1: I think the the list of um the the non-categorizable people that are more like i don't love them that much would be rather the shorter one here than to say who are the most likable or lovable ones here
0: i mean this is why we excluded them from the awards because basically we're saying otherwise all the remaining awards would just be a list of these people uh, because they did such an amazing job
2: yes but and of course i'm sorry I think it's worth to mention that we have this main cast in Babylon Five that kind of really gives you this feeling of they they belong together. They have these different aspects that really make them click, and I think it's something that um, maybe you usually would more expect in a in a sitcom. Like sometimes they give me Friends vibes. Actually, I like Friends, so I can say that easily. Um, and uh, yes, um, I think the whole feeling of the whole show would change if one of them wasn't there anymore. Definitely
0: and uh, as the the resident old time many times have seen the show <laughs> veteran of the show um this is also my turn to say uh, it's it's a wonderful cast that has uh, unfortunately seen also an incredible amount of losses many people i think even the majority of people that we have here on this list are not with us anymore uh, many of them uh, died much much too soon and uh yeah it's it's an enduring tragedy unfortunately with this cast but still um they are very involved with one another i mean one of the reasons uh, the road home uh, the new animated movie could be made is because these people have uh, stuck together and managed to resolve also some differences that they had among themselves over the creator of the show so um it's it's an incredible special group of people which is also big be- due to the fact how this show was made Uh, we don't talk about behind the scenes stuff all that much but Babylon 5 was made in a bathtub factory outside of actual Hollywood with a shoestring budget so these are people who really stuck around through thick and thin during the production of this show and um yeah it's it's just always a good opportunity to acknowledge that and Uh, To this day, they are incredibly active on social media and stuff and still incredibly supportive of fans of the show, answering questions, talking to people, going to conventions. So one of the many reasons people keep coming back to Babylon 5 and talk about this community being very strong is all due to these people and their work, not only acting in the show, but also continuing to support that afterwards.
2: Matt, maybe I would like to mention a few things separately, actually. Sure. Because I think that, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, when you look at Sinclair, I feel like he really can give you a lot of moments in which he acts in a way in which he would wish for someone to act. Like, I don't know, I feel like he's always written with a lot of wishful thinking, like in, in a conflict, in a very dire situation, you want to have someone like Sinclair there. So that's definitely always Like, I see an ideal. I see an, an ideal of a person, but it's not a dehumanized person. Like, I sometimes find utopia can easily get lost in like he's still a human being yeah. but he just is uh very wise and patient and open and also emotionally very open that's what i really really um, enjoy about him
0: and maybe we should mention it this turn we will talk about michael o'hare in in a special segment at the beginning of next season because mike you already stumbled across this while uh, researching for the special there is things that we need to talk about and uh, just to mention it here, of course, all the hugest respect to this man for being part of this team and, and doing this. And, yeah, what he did with this role is, like you say, absolutely outstanding. And he, there is a reason why, despite being part of this show for one season, he still stands out as, like, he is the commander of Babylon 5 for many, many people. And uh, that is well earned.
2: Yes. Um... Any more on him?
0: Not from my side.
2: Okay, then uh, yes. I mean, since we are giving out awards, so I don't know. I would like maybe, maybe this, maybe maybe this is just my thing right now, but just hand out a few words to our main characters because we could not uh, include them in the other things. Like, I definitely like uh, Ivarová for her for her energy, but also because she. What I like about her is that she's written tough and um, strong. And she's still so funny and cute and feminine in a, in a way that, it's, for me, she totally is. Like, um, it even shows that when she is off duty, she opens up her hair and puts on a nice dress. She's not like this tough military person that, you know, that stereotype. I totally enjoy that. I find her so funny and so interesting and feel her so close, actually, that we we all agreed on naming the characters with their last name. But I always want to call her Susan because I, I just feel so close to her.
0: yes. I, I think she pulls off something that is, is way too rare in, in media, especially back then, but nowadays, to have a character who is very strong in her career without having to make this her entire personality. Like, she can very clearly relax and have a private life that is anything she wants to. She she doesn't need to make herself this fierce stereotype to, uh, to pull that off in her job, and that's just a level of competency that, yeah, is just wonderful to see. Anybody else you want to talk about otherwise?
2: Well, I could go on forever, but I think there are some main characters for our, I mean, we, we will probably have different kinds of summing-ups after each season, so there are other main characters I could come to later at some
0: point. Absolutely. Yeah, um,
1: exactly. That's the reason I'm holding myself back here, because if I would start, uh, we, we would talk again for for hours because yeah, every character, every actor, actress made such a good job and, and it was so well developed. Um, but on the other hand, even though we don't have the, the time and space here to um, honor them, maybe uh, not in the way they deserve. I think we did it through the podcast up until now quite decently.
0: And it's definitely also a case that we are now at the beginning of the story. We are just getting to learn these characters later on. Maybe even through Season 2, there's always the option to do a special on just Dylan, just car, and just talk about their characters at length if we feel that is something that we want to, and definitely also if the Lurkers tell us that this is something they're interested in. So um, now is the time to, to let us know in comments, and um, we will definitely be all over that, because Yeah, just digging into some of these characters and also in the backstory of the actors with Dylan, for example, that would be extremely interesting to see sort of how much they themselves bring to the role because um, this is also something where uh, JMS has openly talked about the fact that he, in the process of writing, having a long plan, of course, uh, also looks at who are the people that I've cast and what do they bring to the role? What can I do to accommodate that? So there's a lot of things to talk about there. Uh, We could do that forever, but like you say... um, that that would be another time
2: yes but i know found it important to mention those two ones because i think that's a good cool statement here and the rest can come
0: later absolutely no i think we, you made a very good choice there um in that case let's move on to our next award which is going to be the golden cartoon bomb for our favorite villains of this season let's start out with the bad guys we've looked at our main cast who's primarily you know the crew and the ambassadors the good guys of the show Of course, there needs to be another side for there to be conflict in this first season. And even though we haven't met a very overarching villain yet, I think Season 1 has a lot of very interesting picks to offer. And I would say in these categories, let's just go through our picks one by one. And as usual, we start with Maike. So your choice for your favorite villains of this season.
1: Yes, my uh, choice was uh, from uh, The Believers. Uh, episode, um, the parents um, of, of the sick child, um, and Mola, because, well, they are not that actual villain type. And I know, I remember how um, angry I was uh, about them and how much I talked about them. Um, but this is for me one reason to consider them a good villain. Um, and on the other hand, I really like this kind of um yeah villain character that is not evil because he's evil yeah like if you have uh some some bad guy showing up oh my gosh he's doing so horrible things why is he doing this because he's the bad guy um and i really hate this kind of stuff and here we have like yeah this this antagonist that are doing this because they think it's the right thing to do. Um, and I think that's what I like about them.
0: That is definitely incredibly compelling. Um, how about your choice, Leil?
2: Yes, I choose Narun, um, because I find him very interesting, um, because through him, we see another layer, another important aspect of Mimbari society. And I think we can all agree that Mimbari were the most, uh, important and puzzling aliens for humans at this point for a very long time, or still are. Um, and I also think that he works good as a as a villain because he has his clear uh, mindset, he has his clear goal. But I can I can understand where they come from, I can understand his point of view, um, and I definitely would find it in a, in each setting completely realistic to have someone like Naroon, um, and whether I'm on his side or not, it just depends on how the situation goes. Um, yes, and I'm always happy when there are more when there's more to know about the Mambari. So
0: he was a very close runner up for me as well he has such such a strong character presence here and the the fact that he's the guy that dylan gets to tell you shut down now and do whatever i say is also just very nice to see so no i i really enjoy him uh, yeah my pick is knight two he never gets a proper name unfortunately uh, from in the sky full of stars he's one of the two agents who kidnap sinclair and put him into the cyber web and talk to him about how he must have been, like, colluding with the Minbari because there's no other explanation for their capitulation and stuff like that. And, I mean, I love him because he really opens up the story for this season. Like, the mystery of the Minbari War really hinges on him. And I also enjoy him because he and Night One as well are just two very competent villains who, in a way, achieve their goal. They learn crucial things about this hole in Sinclair's mind and also tip our commander into the right direction of investigating this uh, on the way they go about this is unacceptable and they don't succeed in so far that this poor guy gets his memory wiped and permanently damaged but still I, i enjoy seeing people who are a threat but they have a goal in mind that is more complicated than i want to blow up the station I already know, okay, this is not going to happen, so it's kind of a moot point in the story. But here it's, no, they they want to uncover a mystery and they have motivations that I can kind of get behind. So it's just very nice to see him.
2: Yes, he's a very good choice. I totally understand also how the actor plays him and always reminds me of theater. I think I said that when we discussed the episode. Very good choice.
0: And now we have the most difficult part of this because now we have all three important choices all of them are, I believe, worthy of a trophy, but now we have to make a decision which of these three or four, if we count the believers as to, um, deserve this this trophy.
1: Maybe before we decide this, to our dear lurkers, maybe for you, uh, there would be the opportunity to pause this episode for a moment and think what would be your choice, would it be one of the three we picked? or would be someone totally different or maybe uh, you, if you can't decide who would you give the trophy of our pigs?
0: That is great that you mentioned that because I completely forgot but of course we are very interested how people stand to our decisions here.
1: Yeah okay back to the to our decision or our decision problem because I already can feel it coming up as a problem to make a decision who of these three well sort of four um deserve this award
0: i will say out of the three Fark and mola are my least favorite simply because they pop up in a different category where i think they will they fit even better um so i would put them aside as villains because they are a source of conflict but not the most classic villains in in the mix i am i i wouldn't be opposed to it being though, because i think he brings the most theatrical villain vibes yeah. to the mix
2: but i don't know i think night 2 is also a good choice because i think that um from a historical and casual point of view the problem that he that through this abduction of sinclair is being shown is very very important um, mm. and very very uh makes a very good comment also on reality so who that's a very tough one huh?
0: I mean, in that well, case... I,
2: I can make it more easy because I would, um,
1: if I pick between Knight 2 and Narune, I would go for Narune because, yeah, he feels feels more in, in this category of, of my v- favorite villain type. Um, and yeah, Knight 2 is more in the annoying department for for me. <laughs>
0: I can see which category he falls into for you. I think you already have a catch-all for that. Okay, so on the it is. I would say congratulations to our favorite member of the warrior cast for receiving the golden cartoon bomb. Cue the applause. And we move on to our next category, which is the golden B-side cassette tape for our favorite side character. Mike and I came up with these... um, uh, with these trophy ideas. And I think this one we chose to to kind of rebel against. Yes, we are very young. We didn't see the show for the first time, but we still know what cassette tapes are. So we aren't that young. <laughs> um, so yeah, Ooh. favorites.
1: I, I have to uh, throw a, a something funny in there uh, or maybe it's something horrible for, for our listeners uh, because there is a picture of tiny little me who uh, was allowed, I might mention, to uh, take cassette tapes and pull the tape out completely because they were, I don't know, I I don't know what was recorded on it, but yeah, my my dad wanted to throw them away and thought, hey, this is a perfectly perfectly for, for playing uh, for play stuff for a child so he was like here Michael go with it have fun and I was like oh this is good that's, <laughs> that's a great... surrounded with, with uh, yeah, ripped out tape from gazette.
0: that's a great habit for a child to develop that can't go wrong ever <laughs> okay Michael your first choice for your favorite uh, side character was one that I am very heavily in support of
1: Yes, it's uh, from TKO Caliban. Um, we we shortly talked about this already. Uh, just the two of us, but to enlighten everyone else, um, I really love this this feeling of him uh, appearing like like oh he's doing something shady and no he's just a bit weird looking but a totally honest, nice guy who's loves his job and is really, really supportive um, for, for his uh, fighter. Um, and this, this little actions he's doing uh, in between, even though he doesn't understand what he's uh, actually doing there. It's, I, I just love this totally.
0: For me, he was also a close candidate for cute characters because the way that he adopts human mannerisms is amazing. <laughs> Leila, your pick.
2: Yeah, my pick is Adiora, because I just really love that story, that episode. I love the uh, the different layers you see of her character, and I love that the, the episode where she's in her story always kind of catches me, although it's such a classical story full of, you might say, stereotypes, but I'm always kind of really into it. So, yeah, I really like her and her story.
0: I... it didn't pop into my mind at all considering these but i i do really like her she stands out as like a side of the centauri that we don't really ever get to see like people who actually just enjoy living and don't care about the politics of it all and just kind of want to uh, deal with it and her what she does to Londo in terms of opening him up and like revealing some some personal side of him I think is a very rare and special thing so I can definitely see that
1: yeah yeah I would also agree I like mm, well I would say her her aura her like like he like she's when she's yeah appearing in a room the what what you feel like when watching at her I really like this about her it's it's one feeling it's like she, kind persons and 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 this things. so I would like to have a talk with her. I actually could totally agree that we two would get along very well.
0: On top of that, just to kind of have the the, the behind the scenes reasoning as well. Um, in I think in the gathering is the first time you get introduced to the strip clubs of Babylon Five, and there is kind of this idea, ah, you know, you go to the dancers, give them a bunch of money, and they will rat out whoever you want. Um, but it, it's it's nice to see that here we have the portrayal of an exotic dancer of sorts who is actually a fully formed character and where this her being a dancer also isn't the driving you know tragedy of her life that she needs to be rescued from or anything like that and i i think this just is handling uh, this character template in a way that i find more interesting than, than most of what we see well my pick was Eduardo. Del Vientos the foreman of the dock workers from um the by any means necessary and he also appears again uh, later on for a short interview um uh, uh, but yeah he's he, he's just a guy a worker on Babylon 5 and the main reason i give huge credit to this character but also the actor is he's is a guy in a science fiction setting who gets told you work here and I don't know how much uh, Star Trek you both have seen in that regard. But on the Enterprise, I mean, for you, I know it. On the Enterprise, if you tell somebody you work here, they always kind of stand there helplessly. And I guess I could press a button or could, could could carry a box around or so. But it's very hard to sell in that utopian setting. You know, what does a blue colour worker look like? And I feel like, um, yeah, in Babylon Five, this is done with with a lot of ease. It's just like I can buy immediately that it takes fifty people to unload a spaceship and just do stuff there. And he representative for all the dock workers there sells this very well. And yeah, as as kind of uh, the representative also of all the extras that always run around on the station to make it look like it's lived in and and very alive.
1: Even though um I would add there he is like the most relatable character in this regard because I mean all these these other jobs we, we get to see um yeah are, are like a bit exotic mm-hmm. um or at least they feel exotic in, in this way and he's just yeah like you say the normal guy like you I don't know if you if you go to um, a bar or, or a restaurant, this would be one of the uh, them sitting there with yeah. friends or, or family or stuff.
0: So once again, we face the very difficult challenge of making a choice here. Although for me, it's not that difficult. I mainly cho- just chose Eduardo because Caliban was already taken. So uh-huh. I'm very happy to take Caliban because especially on this viewing of season one, he was one of the standout highlights for me, especially in an episode where I didn't expect that.
2: Yes, I can agree to that actually because I almost forgot that he existed, but he is a very cool pick for a side character totally.
0: Very good. In this case we pick the underdog, that's even better. So congratulations to Kaliban. We never learn what species he's from or what his last (laughs) name is, but I'm sure he's happy in the mutai and now he has a different trophy to take home as well a golden b-side cassette tape and honestly out of all the characters he would be the one having the most fun figuring out what this strange alien artifact of humanity is about and like (laughs) teaching him how to rewind it with a pencil would be really fun
1: yes yes
0: excellent okay then we move swiftly on to the golden backpack which is going to be awarded to our favorite visitor to the station because especially in season one it's this returning trope that every beginning of the episodes, somebody arrives in the station <laughs> and does something. And we have so many visitors here. We thought, let's have well uh, a favorite among these. Mike, who was your pick?
1: Yeah, well, my was uh, Aldo's gadget from the Grail episode because I just liked again his his overall um, feeling. He gave out uh, this this positivity. With with no pressure, and he's like I don't know, he felt like a walking therapist to me. Um, yeah, therefore he was like the most uh, sympathet- sympathetic one for me.
0: I I feel like we have a theme in your picks going on because if I think about a walking therapy session, uh, your pick would also pop into my mind.
2: Yes, I chose the 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 rabbi. What's his name? Yosul so. Koslov, yes, because um for several reasons, I think as well, uh, similar reasons. I mean, I totally love the fact that he just took his first space flight to look after Ivanova after her father died. I love how um, humorous and open he is towards all of these strange new things. I love the conversation he has with Sinclair. Like when I think of religious people, I picture someone like him, and I know from reality that it's not very often the case that you get that. But yeah, totally one of my favorite characters, I think, in general, yes.
1: Yeah, I I can see that, Karen, because I was thinking about him too. <laughs> I was like, ah, do I pick him? And then I was, no, no, no I take I Aldous. Take and yeah, now I can't decide. Thank you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I have to say, I'm very happy that these two are here because we already alluded to this there's a lot of humans from earth force coming to the station this season and they are all kind of bad and earth force is kind of i don't want to say evil but but it's kind of not great so having these two characters who just show us humanity isn't all bad they are very introspective very interesting people out there that are going through the galaxy and visiting the station that aren't uh, you know goose stepping in their uniforms it's just very nice to see that they get a highlight um, my choice was to Pari, the assassin that is sent after uh, Jikar in the <laughs> Parliament of Dreams, otherwise famously known as the Narn who, took, who wore glasses. When he's like in the torture chamber and he reads his contract, he like puts out these glasses. And he kind of has to like press into his sides because he doesn't really have ears. I love him. He has so much fun with his job. He's so delighted in everything that he does, and. Well, for similar reason, also for the two humans here, he is a visitor who gives us a lot of insight into the culture that he's from. We learn a lot about uh, Narn culture in this episode. We learn uh, that uh, there there is this entire assassin's guild kind of thing going on, which is very fantasy-like, which I like. We learn that the politics of the Kari are very complicated and there's a lot of blood depths going on and stuff like that. So no, I'm just a big fan of what he represents and then personally he's just such a delight to watch a difficult choice i would say
1: i think it's rather interesting to see that uh leila and me picked the, the the nice guys uh with with the with the therapy background kind of thing and you're like oh yeah i like this assassin he is funny
0: what? I think Tupari can turn his life around. He had a big learning experience in this episode, so maybe he's seeking the grail now, too. You don't know him. Um,
2: I have to say that uh, my vote still goes with my choice, so you have to.
0: <laughs> I am a huge fan of Yossel. I don't, I... I don't like his meddling. But then he, exa- he he himself says that it's just what he's going to do, so I can't be mad at him. And I think what's going to give it to me is him asking whether or not this alien fish is kosher and then just saying, well, it's it's not in the holy text, so I guess it's fine. Uh, yeah, I, I, I can agree with your choice.
2: But I definitely want to say that I also like the other choices. Also definitely with this glass of thing to choose to party. That's something that I could have also thought of. So, um, not to not to, to to undermine the other choices, but if it's for voting, I definitely stay with the rabbi.
1: <laughs> no, I think since I uh, was thinking of of uh, Yosel Kozlov as a pick two, I think I can go over there from from Aldo so we have a winner.
0: In that case, congratulations to Topari, who is probably now living under a different name. I have no idea how we get this golden backpack to him but if he's still alive not yet murdered he will definitely receive this wonderful trophy
1: hm. uh, um what, <laughs> what? <laughs> they just wanted for you so... yeah.
0: oh oh yeah i'm i might name <laughs> is fried Congratulations <laughs> to Josel, he will get this. We, we know where he lives, so this is fine. You know why my brain was still stuck on party Because I want to give him a different trophy now, but that's uh, that's for another time. No, congratulations to Yossel, to our favorite rabbi on the baldon 5 station, who is probably safely back at home, and I think he deserves the backpack, because he should travel more. I think he's a delight to be around, and every place benefits a lot from him. No, my my brain was still stuck on Tupari because I think he should be a run-up for the the best um uh, the, the the best sort of accessory that people had. Because there could be Jakar with his handkerchief, Londor in his morning mantle, there could could be uh, Tupari with his glasses, but alas that will have to be a category for a different season because I didn't make a trophy for that yet. Too bad. We have different trophies going on. and the next one is the most difficult pick that we had, although Layla actually rescued us there because she came up with an idea which was coincidentally exactly the same that I have. So now I feel like it's warranted, and I'm also very proud of the teddy bear that I made for that. Because yes, the golden teddy bear is our next trophy for the most adorable character.
2: You took my my choice into it, although I it came did up.
0: take your perfect. choice. Okay. Yes. <laughs> um so the problem was i, I discussed this with michael and unfortunately uh, we will be unanimous our choice of course <laughs> you said that at first Michael said that at first i said that at first he is the most adorable there is no competition there but if there were a competition um it was very difficult uh you had the...
1: maybe before you go on maybe we should have done differently not uh the golden teddy bear but the golden veer award
0: (laughs) but veer is much harder to properly sculpt. so (laughs) i'm very glad that it can be the teddy bear um so what we did is uh, i was going to pick just a bunch of cute little uh, things from the show but then you came up with the couple and now that's um also in there but yeah i had two very cute things in there Uh, One is uh, the crop circle aliens. I find it very adorable that they are around and still holding up crop circles as they are in court for probing somebody's great-grandfather. That's great, my favorite joke of season one. And the other one, there is no good picture of him. Um, In the opening of the gathering, there is a tiny little robot rover a la Curiosity on Mars who is just running around the, the casino of Babylon 5. And I love that, especially because one of the main ideas of JMS for Babylon 5 was, I'm not going to have robots. And this tiny robot snuck himself in there on the station, and I'm a big fan. But then, uh, Leila, your pick is the one that you can really highlight, the young Centauri couple.
2: Yes. Um. Once again, I chose a Centauri, actually. Yeah. Um... Just to see this young couple that has run away from home to, to find a place where they can marry each other and not someone else, just escape this very strict, very old archaic almost uh, um, uh, centauri culture. I find that very lovely, and they too. I mean, they, they they are sweet, they are funny, and they cause the most adorable reactions in London. So, um, yeah, they're, they're, that's just a wonderful little story, I think.
0: And yeah, I I had a similar idea because. If I've ever seen a culture that was made for Romeo and Juliet, it's the Centauri. Like, these two lovers live in a world where everything points towards them having the most tragic love story ever. And they put all of their trust in Will, who himself is also very adorable, to fix this somehow. And he does his best. And, yeah, just by association with Will, they were extremely adorable in my book as well.
1: Yeah, that was my thinking um, too. And because my brain is so fixated on Veer with this ap- uh, with this award, um, I just can't. <clears throat> sorry, <clears throat> I just can't say anything else. than the award goes to the cute couple from Centauri.
0: I would say Veer will accept it on their behalf because they are currently separated and and, and so so perfectly fine. Congratulations to Vera then for taking home the golden teddy bear on behalf of the young centauric couple from the war pair. Wonderful. Who would have thought that the most adorable candidates come from the racism episode of Bowen on 5? That's that's <laughs> great, isn't it? Okay. We've ended here uh, our first draft of character-related trophies on a very positive high note. We are now going to do a, do a deep dive into the worst of it with... A plate of fresh Spoo, which famously annoys Centauri and insults them very much for the worst characters of Season 1. And, Micah, I think you have an entire catch-all category there for us.
1: Yeah, well, my uh, pick was from ICE, Ari Ben Zane. Uh, though he kind of stands for me for all Germanized villain character that in, in every series there is appears. Um, and yeah, I, I can't say anything more to this because I think that's about it for me, because I think it's so annoying and so uncreative to just pick. Yeah. Like the, the bad Nazi German or, or the bad mean Russian. So yeah.
0: I mean, we can't rightfully say, just look at the guy. Just look at him. It's
2: just, <laughs>
0: it is so over the top. Yeah, I can completely be behind that. Layla, how about your pick?
2: My pick is the journalist. I think she was in some more episodes, but in one she had a, a big role. Which one was?
0: Uh, infection is the first one where she shows up, where she does like the interview and stuff yeah, yeah, and gets yeah. thrown out of CNC. and Yeah
2: i just find her so annoying and um yeah just this this blonde lady that is super rude and super antagonistic and comes from the media and oh i don't know it's just i just found her so annoying like i don't know you have this character that is annoying and then she has no sympathies she's just annoying that's just annoying
0: (laughs) written by a guy who worked in journalism at this point before so i I think you can just feel his frustrations crammed into a single character there. And yeah, I, I get that. Um, I had a hard time picking somebody for worst character in the sense of not just somebody that I disliked, but somebody where I feel the character is also kind of badly written and I landed on Pierce, uh, Captain Pierce of the Hyperion, the big warship that arrives on uh, and, and starts bombarding the planet against all better judgment. And I think I I put him here because all the other... The Germans I can put up with somewhat. Because they have this background of, okay, Earth is in a bad place. There's home guard movements and stuff going on. There's something interesting to that. Whereas Pierce just represents this military is stupid. And they just want war. And they are fucking dumb. And you have to kind of trick them with a chain of command. Which is just also very, like bland way like if there's no better reason for him to be this incompetent then why the heck is he in charge of this ship and it's just kind of he he seemed very antagonistic for the sake of having another antagonist in this story which I don't feel it necessarily needed. I think the whole the planet is gonna explode is already dramatic enough. I don't need a guy in a big spaceship you know it's just blowing stuff up for no reason. So I could have really done without him and he's like out of all the characters that I find annoying. one way i have the hardest time also imagining writing him differently how do you fix this i just could have done without him um
1: i have to admit pierce was also in my list of possible picks but then i just disregarded him because um
0: the overwhelming number of
1: (laughs) no because he kind of comes around okay it's not it's not perfect for me Uh, and I still think he's a dick but overall I think yeah, he's not problematic annoying person to the core
0: There is the tiniest hint of a character arc at the very end there Yeah, okay, I can see that Um, Well, I'm not married to him as a choice so Ah. Do you have after looking at these three uh, the different choices, do you stick with uh, the journalist?
2: I don't stick with my journalist super much. Um...
0: I think we might be happiest uh, going with Mike's choice of Ari Zayn. Mm-hmm. like representative of all the like kind of lazy, like you say, coded uh, villains that we get in the show. I I think that's that's the most decent thing. Also, just looking at him, he would be extremely annoyed by a plate of fresh alien gunk. So, <laughs> yes, I I think we can deliver it to him. In that case, uh, congratulations, I guess, to a golden plate of fresh sprue for Ari Ben Zayn. And he can... I mean, these are like these little tiny blocks, so I guess he can distribute them to all his colleagues back home at <laughs> the Um, The next category is a subtly different flavor of annoying. These are still characters that are somewhat annoying, but in an almost kind of endearing way. The next trophy is going to be the Golden Bats for the most infuriating characters that we just want to take the bat and bash them over with because they keep making extremely stupid or annoying or uh, uh, otherwise a strange decision that we kind of just want to beat out of them.
2: So here we accept the Dr. Franklin.
0: Yes, uh, because he is so... Um, I mean, just, you know.
2: Yeah. Okay.
1: But I, I, I couldn't, I I have to admit my, my first thought was Sinclair because I I get enraged so often because he's doing something you shouldn't do. Um, but then I thought, ah, okay, okay. No, he's, he's, uh, well, main character and well, overall I, 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 I like him so. he, and he's working on himself. Yeah. <laughs> Though, uh, with Franklin, I, I can't get around this, this character, um, yeah, he's. I. I. There are. Really, really rarely the case that. He appears, and I'm not annoyed with him. Therefore, I couldn't get around him. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> and personally, I love this pick because it complements Layla's choice so well. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, because I chose the parent throughout other name?
0: Fark and Molan.
2: Stark and Mola because for me personally, I did not really see them as villains um, as much Um, because just I felt more, um, I think that their agenda of doing damage was not big enough for me to see them as villains. I think the way that they don't want to save their child because they are so convinced by a religion or ideology or whatever you may call it just to me makes them people I want to shake super hard <laughs> until their brain turns upside down um, so yeah that's why I definitely chose them here so just, because I constantly feel like what I have a lot of, of time with religious people of a, diff, of a certain kind that you just want to, to shake the stupid blindness out of them to <laughs> make them not do a big mistake
1: or shake them until the right
2: parts click in back so it's working
1: properly again (laughs) totally totally
0: yeah my choice is not thematically related to yours unfortunately Uh, I chose Dr Tazaki who is the geologist in the voice of the wilderness who keeps flying closer to the planet after Ivanova tells him explicitly not to do that until it spawns an amazing rant from her and Honestly, it's more on behalf of Ivanova that I pick him here because he gets chewed out so much by her and that is so beautiful that I kind of indirectly have to thank him for that and definitely somebody who deserves a baseball bat because he's just not getting the point that if somebody tells you the planet is going to blow you up with cruise missiles, you maybe should start listening. That being said, because he is kind of already taken care of by Ivanova, I very gladly pick either of the other ones.
2: I mean, in this case, I would say that we can definitely award Dr. Franklin with a lot of similar um, um awards at some point later. There are definitely more things to come and some are more annoying than we have already seen.
1: On the other hand, these are this award has uh, two baseball bats, so uh, yeah maybe just one for each
0: <laughs> I mean may- maybe we should uh, <laughs> split it up but I would say yes Franklin remains with us uh, throughout uh, more of Babylon 5 these two guys are gone for now so let's 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 give it to the believers for now and reserve to write to bash Franklin over the heads on on future occasions if necessary does That's that sound fair right yes <laughs> okay so um yeah i'm pretty sure their world has uh cut all diplomatic ties with the rest of the galaxy after their first experience being franklin for the rest of the universe but <laughs> if we can like airdrop this uh this golden baseball bat on them we will try to do so so congratulations to park and Mova. i never learned their lays, uh, uh, their names before uh, f- trying to find them for 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 this award ceremony so that's good, at least. We are moving forward uh, into a slightly less serious category after discussing the Leavers, uh, to the golden banana peel, the dumbest demise. And surprisingly, there's a lot of those in Season 1. A lot of people die, and a lot of them in not the most dignified of ways. So, Mikey, I think you had the most populous uh, and obvious choice there.
1: Yeah, I choose Kurath, um Which... Was last seen in Born to the Purple? Uh, or no, was it the episode before?
0: I'm, I'm not sure. No, she's but... seen in Born to the Purple and then in next scene of uh, the next episode we learn she stepped into an airlock and never came.
1: That blew it. her out into space. I mean, she doesn't even get a death scene uh, and yeah, well, getting uh, getting getting killed through uh, yeah, airlock drop into space is like, I don't know, what to say to this because <laughs> it is so stupid.
0: And it's such a shame because she was such a good presence for the few scenes that she was in. I would have loved to see more of her.
2: Yeah. Um, I had to think for a little while. And then I think, like, my choice. I mean, this 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 cold, fake British accent ex- telepath lady that is constantly attacking Eilhart, although he tells her, you cannot harm me, and she keeps attacking... And then he just dissolves some molecules, and it's just like okay, you saw that coming, didn't you? Um, I really enjoyed that, and I really also kind of found it—it's so unnecessary, and 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 it's just I don't know to see this this, this arrogant character, one of the extra strong telepaths, to stand there and whoops, now she's just a bit of ashes. Yeah, it was weird.
0: And It was completely avoidable on her part. Yeah. Like there was. Yeah literally no threat to her at all all she had to do is not try the stupid thing and attack the god being in the middle of ascension yeah yeah that's a good pick um i i chose the rogue soul hunter just for the irony of his soul being stolen i i i absolutely love that he like meticulously builds this contraption and um in in part this is because his entire episode is kind of just a highway chase scene in science fiction where he is in his getaway car gets shot up by the cops lands somewhere on the side of the road on Babylon 5 tries to do more crime there instead of running away further and then just gets caught and yeah to do his own like soul selection beam so yeah kind of not a great end for him I think he had like bigger things in mind for himself
1: yeah, I can I can see both of your choices.
0: In terms of choosing a favorite here, Kelsey, uh, the the telepath, is really compelling to me. Yeah. The only reason I kind of favor Kodath is because behind the scenes, the reason this character had to given up, and had to be given up, is also kind of dumb. Uh, not that anybody did anything wrong, like the makeup team or the actress. It's it's none of their fault. It's just. Having, like, a, a horrible, um like, reactions and inability to work with this heavy, heavy makeup is just the most, like, the the worst possible reason to have to give up this job. Like, it's not that you had contractual, like, issues. It's not that there's anything wrong with your acting. It's just the technology isn't there at the time. It's such a shame. And under any given circumstance, if the show was made today, they probably could have made it work. So, yeah, that's just feels very... I feel bad for that. I feel like that deserves a trophy.
2: I can agree with that.
0: Perfect. In that case, yeah, the golden banana peel goes floating out to our poor Kodab in deep space. Well, fortunately, um at least Natov has, has been doing much better so far. In that case, I think we are slowly getting out of our characters and more towards the production side of things. Uh, we are kind of at the turning point here the best alien design is going to receive the golden centauri pleasure tentacles which i'm very proud of how well i captured uh, londo's uh, poker extra appendage there um but he's not uh, uh, in the candidate list here these are all the designs for alien creatures that we saw in season one and which one stood out to us mikey you have a, a very nice pick i think
1: yes it's in the graph the yeah what uh what you would describe him Underworld like the world dealer
0: information yeah. yeah
1: um yeah be- because i i really liked this this uh design and even though it's it's not something um special in in the uh, the department of being original um yeah i i just kind of like this um, this character and this design and yeah well maybe I, I know now even why because I got the explanation that the same uh, design was used in the series Buffy um, for a demon that appears in this um, yeah fashion and starts eating um, high school students uh, and yeah Of course, I watched this, so maybe there's a connection there.
0: (laughs) Production-wise, there's a surprising amount of overlap between these two shows, which is just fun because we are both uh, involved in a lot of Buffy stuff as well. Leila, your choice was one that kind of surprised me, but I I understand. Why did it surprise you? I really don't know. We already did an entire special on that, but uh, I I never thought of the Mimbari as a particularly alien design, I guess.
2: I just really like everything about them. I like that they get these mysterious vibes, that they have this they are they look to me like mythological creatures. Um I love their costumes. I am just totally into that. Um um yeah. It's more of a it's more of a gut feeling decision here, definitely. But I'm always happy when I see more of them and I learn more about them. Um so um also because maybe, for me, they don't really look like this, what I, what I would expect when I think of, of, of humanoid aliens like that. They're, they're also very different because they don't, they don't have hair. They have different faces. They have they have these, they are a bit in an uncanny valley there because they don't have eyebrows. And so their uh, structure and their upper face looks so different. Um, mm. And so, I don't know, for me, I really like this. I expect a design like this in a sci-fi show, I guess. I don't know, I really enjoy them.
0: They are definitely very iconic as well, like very recognizable as Babylon 5. Nobody else really does something like this so much.
1: Yeah, I would, I would agree on that. My my personal problem for me is, again, that they look too human uh, for, for me. Maybe just, just strange mindset uh, of, of mine, but yeah, they they are not different enough for me.
2: But I totally like them. I under I understand that when I am in Star Trek and I have like, without bashing it too much, I like Star Trek. But when I have like too many different aliens I have here a horn and here a different shape, um, and humanoids, then it sometimes becomes too much. But I don't know, maybe because in Babylon 5 we have a lot of different sentient beings placed in out more, and I really like these little changes that they have that make them different from us. Yeah.
0: I feel like I'm at a bit of a disadvantage because you both chose alien designs that keep popping up throughout the entirety of season one, whereas I just have one episode to lean on. Infection, uh, but I, I I I genuinely really like the current war machine, especially this like full-on Mega Man suit that he gets at the end with a big cannon on the side. That's kind of neat. But I also particularly like the scarab that he has on the chest. This like weird bug thing that like clamps into him because it always reminds me of this is when Babylon 5 found the Stargate the kind of Egyptian themed ancient rocks and stuff that you have to decipher and so on and I I just love how all out they went with like this full body suit costume and the rubber suits which doesn't really work that well and Babylon 5 will do less of that later on because it doesn't work so well but as an homage almost to like all the older sci-fi where this is the monster designer to choose I'm kind of in love with this guy. Okay, so I guess this is uh, once again a, a choice that maybe comes down between two favorites, between the Mimari and the graph. I have to say I, I'm such a big fan of the puppetry within the graph that he is a really um, big for me, unless you have a very strong case for the Mimari.
2: No, like I said, it's more of a gut feeling, and I definitely see how it's enjoyable to, in sci-fi, see aliens that are... Um, more far away from being human so i definitely see the point there
0: what i have to say i massively love when the membari put on their hoods because you might mention they are very human-like but at the same time because of the big head crest as soon as you throw a blanket over them they lose that humanoid shape very much and when uh, sinclair first sees them in the gray council and they are these ominous figures. That, I feel like, is incredibly effective. And to have this, like, back and forth between the very threatening Grey Council and then the kind of elven-like Mimbari otherwise is a really cool element.
2: I think that's what we once said about them. They are evil space elves, or sometimes evil space elves. And I'm, I just, I love that.
0: Yeah. That is really cool.
2: That I can agree with... um
0: Ligra.
2: <laughs> I can agree with him as well.
0: I mean, maybe
1: maybe it's also his name. I really like the sound of that
0: name. And yeah, if we take sound into the uh, uh, just the set that he's on, he's like the one reason people keep going into the alien sector where there's a different atmosphere and stuff that I also really enjoy. And the good news is if we give this trophy of golden pleasure tentacles to the graph, he will sell those off in an instant. So the trophy can pop up with any other alien that we possibly could want. So Congratulations to Negrath for receiving the best alien design trophy here. There is a cat next to us that demands also a trophy, but she's not an alien design, so she doesn't count.
2: (laughs) Are you sure?
0: (laughs) I am sure. Um, We move on from the aliens, the inhabitants of Babylon 5, to the station itself with the next trophy that we have, which is going to be our golden compass for the most visible locations that we have. Here, I didn't really um, include the episodes that they are in because we all chose locations that pop up in multiple episodes or almost all of them. Uh, So if you've seen, for example, The Gathering, you've already visited all of these locations, which is uh, interesting to see that we all chose places that recur in the show and aren't like one-offs. Michael, you chose the Zen Garden.
1: Yes, because where else would I go? I hate being around a lot of people. Um, and therefore the, uh, the Zen garden where it's quiet, where the, where are few people, uh, at least as it seems so far, uh, that would be totally my choice, even though it's not exotic or anything. Um, but maybe I would sit down there and hopefully wait that an alien passes by and just to, to watch their reaction to this strange human structure there and um yeah that i think that would be my my goal there
0: and i think this is what i love most about this pick. like in so much sci-fi humans are kind of the normal ones and we go into alien space and there's all these aliens with these weird traditional practices that don't make any practical sense and the zen garden almost feels like this acknowledging no no we humans have those as well and mm-hmm. why not take them into space as well? And then you have like aliens standing there. What you you just so you rake circles around these rocks. Why? Well, because it's a way of spiritual <laughs> calming. <laughs> what <laughs> I it's it's beautiful, I love it, and I love the conversations that I had in the Zen garden every so often, definitely.
2: Uh yeah. <clears throat> I figured if I were on Babylon 5, I would definitely want to be where the action is, so I just picked CMC hoping I would get a very important function
0: there. I mean, it's also where Ivanova mostly, is. So I think that's a pretty good
2: reason. I mean, yeah, that, that would be my reason to go
1: to CNC, even though if I had nothing to do, just standing somewhere in a corner like a creep and watching Ivanova having her go <laughs> on, I don't know, another doctor uh, who can't understand orders or stuff like that.
0: No, it's it's definitely a great place and an iconic place, right? Like we see itself. It's the one place on the station with a window, which is also great. So uh, definitely a, a great choice. Um, I stuck with the casino uh, for one. It's a place to meet Londo, so I I, I just can't uh, get around that. But also, the casino has this massive big mural on one side. You can kind of see it on the picture there uh, on the on the left or uphand side which is this, like, really cool, almost art deco kind of retro-futuristic trains and cars and city structures and stuff. And I I really like the idea that something like this would be on a space station, this, like, retro-future bar that people enjoy. Like, with this idea, humans go there and are like, hey, we're in space. That's really cool and enjoy themselves there. This is just something I, I love to imagine.
1: Yeah, the the meeting Lando part that would would be my carrot to go there. Um, though I don't think I would stay for long.
0: Uh, and the thing I is,
1: myself would consider this rather boring.
0: And the thing is, sometimes Lando is also in the Zen Garden, so you kind of.
2: I I think I want to the casino as well. I think if I spend all my day in CNC, I definitely would need the casino. So. <laughs>
0: I mean, I'm not, I'm not stuck necessarily in the casino. The Zen Garden is really a, a place that I'm drawn to, especially because I'm a big fan of the like mud paintings that they have of the interior of the station, the like big cylinder and stuff. So
2: maybe also because the Zen Garden is kind of more of a special thing, because when you think of any kind of sci-fi show and you think of any kind of space station, you would expect a casino, of course. You know, some kind of that, You would expect CNC, of course. Um, but the Zen Garden, to, the choice to, to um, put that on the station and to also show it in the show over and over again, I think that's more of a kind of a special choice for Babylon 5.
1: Even though right it's right. the non the most non-science fiction one we have here.
0: <laughs> Maybe even because of that, it's the most unconventional uh, that we can possibly have. <laughs> yes, the cat in <laughs> 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 the This is very good. For her, this would probably be a litter box, so that's not great. <laughs> congratulations, I guess then. Let's put the golden compass in the Zen garden. Uh, there's not only really somebody... I, there must be a gardener in charge of doing this. I, I would have loved to meet that guy. So, congratulations.
1: Hey, that sounds like a job to me. No, I mean. No, the, the Zen garden has really little um, amount of plants, right? Yes. So I wouldn't wouldn't be able to kill them. That's perfect. That's, that's my job. Get it's me there. <laughs> just rocks
0: and, and rattles. So yeah, you can definitely do that. All right. If our special guest has kind of calmed herself down with the rude comments about <laughs> our choices, um, let's go to the most production-oriented kind of questions that we have. We were sort of torn uh, talking about all the special things that Babylon 5 shows off and we essentially decided to split this into two categories and we are going to start with the special effects, the CGI effects so all digital creations of sorts, which are going to be awarded golden floppy disks because famously Babylon 5 was rendered on very, very old Amiga systems uh, even for the time not top of the line so let's talk a little bit about CGI stuff that stood out to us and Micah I think you have a great pick there
1: yes because um, the, what stood out the most for me was when the uh, staffers were dispatched the first time um that you have on on every fighter you have a different painting like like it's um yeah personalized personalized from from their um what was it called? That they're the pilots. Yeah. I, in my head, I just wanted to say the drivers. That would be funny. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, you know, it's space, who can say?
1: Yeah. Well, technically, yeah. Excuse me. I would like to have your license, sir. That's not appropriate. No. Um. But yeah, that that's what I what I re- what really stood out to me. This this. I mean, this is a small little gimmick that you do not necessarily have to do. Um, and therefore it felt rather special to me.
0: It shows this attention to detail that is just nice to have in a show like this. Um, I was surprised by your pick actually, Lena.
2: Um, <clears throat> yes, I, I have to say that the picks I had in mind were all from later seasons. That doesn't mean that, um, I didn't like the, the, the things in, in season one, but I had a lot of important moments in mind that came later. Um, I really liked the whole art design of that episode with Ironheart in general. I liked the music. I really enjoyed it and um, so I really felt like his final moment, his ascension kind of um, uh, really stuck with me and um, yeah, definitely gave me these nineties video game vibes. So (laughs) I thought I'd choose that.
0: I have to say the barrier that he creates is a big um, favorite of mine. Uh, it's, It's definitely really great um yeah my personal pick is the i kind of cheated the entire space battle of the hyperion in in a voice in the wilderness part two um yeah that's a little bit cheated. if i had to pick a specific moment it's when the aliens start firing and the hyperion turns around and fires back and we just see that some of the shots just intercept each other because we are in the in the 90s where usually what you see is just a big shield bubble and stuff kind of dissipates and here it all feels much more physical because there's really this idea the ships have armor and if they get hit, they get damaged. And what you can do is intercept stuff and stuff. It's, it's just, for a show that has like a good number of space battles, it was a nice portrayal to really show the strength of the station also, the all the little turrets coming out and stuff just so that we get a sense of how defensible of a place Babylon Five really is. And I think I'm always a big fan of space battles that are directly tied into a story as well. Um, so, yeah, it's roundabout way. I, I like the big ships shooting at each other. What can I say? Uh, I'm a nerd for that. Um, that's though I sad. actually
1: understand you because this is um, a different kind of action we get there finally. Uh, and I, I even though it's compared what I have seen up until now, rather bad made uh, in comparison since it was obviously made far later. Um, I really like this. So Yeah, I'm I'm standing between my pick and yours here, actually.
0: I am leaning towards yours a little bit more just because it's the detailing that I enjoy so much. And because I hadn't really noticed it before. You pointed it out, so I'm I'm glad discovering new things. Uh,
2: I'm leaning towards yours because I always love space battles.
0: I mean okay. Let's let's take mine then. That's that's because Mike's is also <laughs> kind of a space battle, but if there's like mm, Let's go with a bigger space battle then, right? The Star Furies are part of that as well. Okay, (laughs) so uh, congratulations. I guess we give this one to Captain Pierce after all. He kind of goes home with the troll. Granted, nobody (laughs) liked what I did, but at least it looked cool. He Well,
1: maybe maybe we can get around with uh, the engineers of the ship.
0: Yes, right. Somebody had.
1: I mean, they did the best job of
0: this. Yeah, let's just overrule him there uh great uh, and of course we can't talk about the cgi effects of this show without also talking about the practical effects everything that doesn't involve commuters which will be awarded the golden sock Puppet, because well puppetry is a big part of this and i mean Mike, i think you chose what we all would have chosen if we got the chance um,
2: i didn't think of that i got
0: to tell us <laughs> No, no, no. Let's let's just put Mike on the spot here. Tell us why the alien penis is the one thing that stood out to you more than anything else. Why is this your favorite?
1: No, I just I just loved this this scene when this this in the casino when the glass was put on, yeah, on on this tentacle, and it it, it was just hilarious, and therefore. I mean even going through with this even it, it's so yeah even though I already said that it it feels so like someone got their go with with their uh king of having something for for Japanese um, tentacle porn so
0: I mean my I favorite
1: have, this. <laughs> Bravery.
0: My, my favorite part of this is somebody had to direct this scene right so somebody had to go up to Peter Jullis who plays London and be like see that thing there on the table So imagine that's what's in your pants and now we put ice on that and now give us the facial, (laughs) the appropriate facial reaction to that. Like how, how do you work with that kind of direction? What do you do? Um, So no, I I think it's, uh, it's just huge fun. But then on the purely like technical side, I think it looks really good. It holds up as like this uh, little practical effect in there. Uh, Leila, you had a nice pick as well, though.
2: Well, I had a very boring pick compared to that. Why didn't I think of the tentacles instead of, ah, but it's such a great right pick. Uh, yes, I-, I chose the eye, um, the eye that caused so much um, havoc wherever it chose. it showed up this important uh, Mimbari uh, I don't know, Centauri artifact, um, because it had, it obviously had such a big meaning. You also, in the first season, get this idea of there's more to it, there is a layer that we didn't quite get yet. And when you hold it in hand, it looks like the cheapest plastic crown my grandmother would have had me play with when I was a child. Um, not to say that that's like bad design, like I think it was in big parts intended. Um, and I think it just has a, has a narrates a funny view on these cultural artifacts in certain contexts. So I really enjoyed that.
0: I think there's also this layer that we learn from the centauri that their emperors get made into gods right and it's kind of this thing this eye is this hugely important mythological thing and then you look at it and it's almost like you have to the centauri gods and then it's a guy like Londo. it's just kind of yeah that's that's cheaper made than i anticipated given the title so i can totally get that well i was thinking not about tentacles but in the in a similar vein uh, my favorite practical fact is Jakar's bare chest, which is featured throughout the show multiple times. But from a practical point of view, the fact that Andreas Katzler has like this full prosthetic down is great. But then also him running around in his like morning robes and and just having fun with it. It's, it's great.
2: From a pa- practical point of view,
0: yes from a purely practical point of view and it's sexy as hell of course as well the spots go all the way down it's great
2: yeah just that you had like like custom designers there who were like we need his chest it needs to look alien but muscular so. yes
0: right like that's it's just beautiful uh and now the fact that they do this and they once again it's a big thing that gets featured every softness it's never the focus very much it's just you know he's in bed of course we see his bare chest What 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 the hell else I'm just a big fan of that, and I have to say, if it comes to deciding uh, giving this trophy out, as much as I like Tentacle, I'm I'm really in love with Chikar's chest. So
2: oh, I'm stuck between you two, actually. <laughs>
0: if only we could combine the two in some steamy fan fiction.
1: <laughs> Please no,
2: no.
0: I guess you have to be our tiebreaker. Really? Yes. You have to decide Londo or (laughs) Jacquard right now in bed.
2: Oh my God.
1: (laughs) I mean, I I have to admit, I do understand why you're so focused on Jacquard's test because it's
0: really pretty. It is.
2: I mean, I would say that I think Londo's. Tentacle. Tactical, I wanted to say. Tentacle. I think it has an interesting theory, and um, you can interestingly play around with it within a scene. <clears throat> but maybe... um Jamar's. I wanted to say that maybe Jakar's uh, chest um, took more... What? <laughs> 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 was more effort.
0: A... Yeah, those apps don't come from themselves. <laughs> it's of work going into the...
2: I wanted to say that it was more effort for the, <clears throat> for the costume designer to have them...
0: there. <laughs> okay, so what does that mean in terms of your choice? I
2: don't know, I want like, rationally I should choose Jakar, but I think I'm choosing Londo.
0: Londo, it is we Go <laughs> for the, the tentacle. <laughs> <laughs> that will be our first t-shirt. <laughs> Let's go for the Wiggle Wiggle. That's that's what you took away from Season 1 of Babylon 5. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, so I guess he can put his tentacle into the sock puppet and then do a little bit of theater play. That's a great, <laughs> great thing. Good. Let's move on. After this, there's only one category left where we have to make any decisions. Um, favorite scenes, which is going to be awarded the Golden Clapper board. And... I mean, there's so many to, to, to choose from. It was for me the most difficult one, but um, I think Mikey, you had a very distinct choice from one of the more recent episodes.
1: Yeah, well, it was was rather um, got a choice because um, when I remembered the scene uh, in uh, the first part of "A Voice in the Wilderness," where um, I forgot her name. <laughs>
0: Talia?
1: I, t- I try over again. Um, uh, I was really struck with the uh, scene in uh, the first part of A Voice in the Wilderness um, where Talia stands at the elevator and Sinclair comes by and they talk about why she's standing there. She's like, I, every time I try to take the elevator, Garibaldi is in there. And Singh like, nah, no, he can't be everywhere. And at this moment the elevator opens and Gary Ball is standing in there like I uh, I I just love this this moment. Even though it's it's just something funny again and, and not even important thing. This this I, I like I like this kind of stuff.
0: It it adds to this kind of sitcom y uh atmosphere. It's a joke that I could see in any sitcom happening, so no, I, I I'm completely on board with that
2: yes my gut feeling took me back to the motorbike ride um because yes I understand yeah for me that's just a moment that sums up Babylon 5 I think these two um people on the motorbike Garibaldi and uh, uh, uh Lanier with their two completely different point of views on this artifact that worked in it together and now are just uh Causing everyone to stare at them as they swoosh down the the corridor. Just for me, that's just what this place is about, and it's funny, it's heartwarming, it has everything for me.
0: I I can completely see that. It's.
2: it's totally with you. <laughs>
0: I mean, my pick was uh, from the end of "By Any Means Necessary," where Sinclair has no time at all to deal with the Jaquan f the flower being stolen and you have this kind of funny back and forth between Ja'car and londo and by the end uh, Ja'car gets the flower but he's genuinely distraught because it, the time frame is over he doesn't can he can't do his ceremony anymore and then sinclair just does what sinclair does best which is he pulls out basically the rule book and figures out well technically you are supposed to do your ceremony when the light hits over the mountain and we are light years away from the mountain so technically the light is still on its way and hits right now and you know he just kind of uh, works this back and forth and jakar goes along with it and i think it shows off the best sides of both of these characters in this little speech that they share in this cupola at the uh, bottom of the station so for me this is not an obvious pick at all, because you already took that with the motorbike, but it's kind of in epitomizing what Babylon 5 is about and what makes these two characters who are really love so great. Uh, it, it was it was a really nice fit. That being said, I would be completely on board with choosing the motorbike ride because it's so whimsical and I yeah. love the idea of having linear in there as well.
1: I mean, I, I really like your explanation and this is... Well, let's say your choice would be the serious one, but we don't do serious here.
0: No, we just got done talking about tentacles. So let's do the motorcycle, (laughs) the symbol of sexual prowess, as the Nia learns as well.
1: Perfectly. So um, who exactly gets this award? The
0: motorcycle? I think so. But I I like to believe that in this episode with riding the motorcycle, Lanier and Garibaldi have learned to share. So, you know, Garibaldi gets it on weekends, I I would say. (laughs) And as for our choices, this actually already concludes the picks that we had for trophies when it comes to Season 1. But we are still not quite at the end for our little award gala because there's two more trophies to give out. And both of which concern the Lurkers that we have, hopefully still with us watching. Um, You already were invited to share all of your picks for the trophies that we had so far, but there's one that we actually originally planned to have picks of our own too, but then we noticed we we can't. Um, So we, we wanted to forward the question to you, and that is... Episodes that had the biggest unexpected turn specifically in your perspective so uh, our original idea was talking about like picking episodes that we maybe thought weren't so great but then we talked about it and we figured out oh that's kind of a new perspective for me that's really great but more or less this happens in every episode for us in some way or another so this is just something that we would like to ask our lurkers were the discussions that we had in this first season where you thought oh that's maybe a new perspective that's something interesting to talk about or just episodes in general that for you take an unexpected turn. I think that summarizes the question quite well.
1: Yes, and I think you should give a moment to appreciate this award that was created for this. The golden reverse UNO card.
0: Yes, of course. How else could you properly put it? Um, So that's the trophy that you have to earn with hopefully some comments on that matter. The other trophy that all lurkers are bound to get, however, is our only actually serious trophy, the Golden Laurels, as a big thank you for 750, around 800 hours of continuous watch time that we've received, around 500 and 800 views that we've received overall on YouTube and all the other channels, and, well... 84 subscribers, uh, so 84 people who actually want to come back and listen to us talk and discuss this show. And a particular shout out to everybody who has been commenting so nicely over the last few episodes. Um, This is something that we have noticed. We try to answer as many as we can, but this is also something that I think we want to incorporate into future episodes. But yeah, let's just take this opportunity to say a big, big thank you to all of you who have been out there and supporting in any way on form.
1: Yes, especially since we're just doing this for our hobby, we just started all of this on the wing and we're really, really happy that so many of you like it and come back continuously and share your opinion with us. Thank you there for...
0: And I think uh, on, on top of that is it's just a wonderful way for us to be part of the Babylon 5 community, right? Both the creators that are in this space and just the listeners who have been all extremely welcoming, so it's just wonderful, wonderful to see. One last big round of applause in this case, I guess, and this concludes our award session of this gala. We are not quite completely at the end, though, because there are a handful of things that we wanted to talk about now, looking forward to Season 2. We do want to look forward to season two and uh, ending first season is of course a great opportunity to also for us evaluate what can we do differently what can we do better and first and foremost this is an opportunity to ask our lurkers on this matter are there things that you would like to see change about the format about the scope of things but also particularly are there specials that you would like to see us do because we have been looking forward a little bit and well Holiday seasons are great, but for the next half year, we don't really have many holidays coming up, so uh, there's ample opportunity for us to do specials outside of that scope. So if there is movies, uh, other things, uh, character specials like we already mentioned that you would like us to feature, always throw these ideas out there and we will gladly consider them. There are some changes that we are definitely going to make though. And for one, we want to return to our tapestry properly. We have been... Uh, originally envisioning this as this big tapestry that we draw in between episodes and well that turned out to be rather difficult but we want to dive a little bit more into this so we've devised a new system of visualizing things and with the first episode of season two we will hopefully start keeping track of the things that we pull through these threads a little bit more closely. The second and maybe even more important thing is we have thought about opening a little bit of a post box session because we've been receiving so many wonderful comments and especially lengthy and involved comments that we feel like it would be a great uh, opportunity to talk about these among us three because well then there's just a better chance of communicating about this a little bit and giving also our commenters uh, proper responses to everything that they wrote so we are definitely going to do that um they are they're also interested kind of in Uh, the format how would you like to see this should this be at the beginning should this be at the end of our discussions we can be flexible with that and the last thing to announce I guess is uh, the specials that were already kind of teased we will start this year with earth history and Babylon 5 history 101 so Mike is going to get a little bit of a crash course on various topics that just fill out the universe a little bit more now that you've seen season one You kind of know a little bit of what's up, and it's a great opportunity to add a little bit more context to some of the plots that we've seen. Certainly. Plus, learning is always a great experience, and it's one excuse for me to pull out PowerPoint again and create some slides, and yeah, we will get to share these too. In this case, I think Mm -hmm. this concludes our great gala.
2: I mean, of course, I would like to thank our listeners. I think it's wonderful. It makes us very happy to see that people are interested in what we have to say. Um, it's 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 always nice when you when you work on this when you share your very personal views and opinion. That there are people who are who are listening to that and um yes, I also really like that most of our comments have been uh, very nice, very friendly, very supportive. Um, so it's very it's very great to in this way be a part of the Babylon Five community and to actually be accepted that well because yeah.
0: Very well said.
1: Yeah, I don't really have much to add there because there is not much uh, else to, to say because you are really wonderful for sticking with us and obviously be happy um, with what we are doing. And we can just hope that you liked season one so far and will enjoy season two and uh, every special ideas we come up with as well
0: wonderful in this case we will see you next week probably with the first season uh, with the first episode of season two and from there well things are going to get a little bit more ahead we have left the prologue section of the entire Babylon 5 universe we are now still full steam ahead into chapter one and well things are going to pick up from here you can find us, as usual, on all social media platforms and podcast sharing pod platforms at Third Age Podcast and, of course, here on YouTube.
2: We are the cutest because here you can see us. Hope we see you next time.